Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Tonight we're looking at the beauty from ashes. I was hanging out today at, well, y'all were doing things like riding horses in the cold. <laughs> Have fun with that. Um, zip lining in the cold. Have fun with that. Um, uh, there was, uh, what else going on? Ninja Barn. That wasn't as cold, but it was kind of cold. Have fun with that. Um, I didn't do, in the summertime, I, I kind of do the old, uh, you know, you guys watch, ever watch the TV show, The Arrow? Yes. yes. Oh, he woke up. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Arnell, he's the man, right? So yeah, that's me in my summertime. I get my Arrow on, but not today. I hung out at the fire. That was my speed. Okay. And, and I was hanging out at the fire. You ever go by the fireplace today? That was, that was like my, that was my happy zone. That was my happy spot, okay? And there was this big five-gallon can or bucket there filled with ashes. And I didn't, I didn't snag it. I didn't want to steal it. I didn't ask permission, therefore it's not mine to touch. But I looked at it and I thought, dang, I should bring that in here. So just pretend right now it's sitting there. Tonight we're looking at ashes. Out of ashes can come beauty. Four areas we've been looking at, two of them down, one tonight, one tomorrow morning. Out of that beautiful passage, Isaiah 61, that Taco just read to us again earlier this evening. It is the sovereign Lord, the spirit of the sovereign Lord came on the anointed one. We know now that's Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who came to basically set the captives free. It's called dual prophecy. Can I go theology, theology on you guys? It's called dual prophecy. In other words, there was phase one, it was fulfilled when Israel got its home back. But phase two, the greater end of that prophecy is us. Yeah, it was for Israel. But in a bigger picture, it's for the king of kings and the Lord of all lords to set humankind free, just not the tiny nation of Israel. So the sovereign Lord means God's in control, God's got this. We looked this morning at comfort in the middle of our difficult seasons of mourning. And tonight we're going to look at beauty for ashes. And of course tomorrow, displaying his splendor. We ended this morning with this. You guys remember this? We kind of tapped out. That's my phrase I like to use a lot. We kind of finished out with this this morning. Well, I find comfort in the middle of my difficult seasons, and the Lord never promised to take away the difficult seasons, mourning, but he said, I'll give you comfort through it, and I hope you can get your heads around that, because again, I think our culture really wants to think that comfort is the absence of pain. That's not always going to happen because we live in a very depraved, ugly world that's full of evil and hate. And until Jesus comes back and kind of puts the whole thing back together again, this is just what it is. So in the middle of this, we can still find comfort. That's what I wanted you guys to leave with this morning. And here we go. Let's transition to tonight. Beauty for ashes. Well, I got the picture for you. I don't have the big bucket up here of ashes, but at least there's a picture to kind of, kind of experience it. I told you guys today when I do my... Um, I have a fire pit. Anytime I've moved any home we've ever lived in, I always have to make a fire pit because I'm just enamored with staring at the fire. Remember, man's first 
TV, right? Before there's a flat screen, there was a fire, right? <laughs> so we were chilling out there next to that. And, and, and in my fire pit, even now, when I get home this week, I got to clean that out so I can burn more stuff. I got all these ashes. What do I do with them? Put them in my compost. Put them in my garden beds. That's about all I can do. So we're going to look a little bit here on what is ashes. The question I got is, like, did Jesus go through a time of ashes? Uh, let's look at this. As this morning we saw Jesus having those various difficult seasons. For example, I use those five different words starting with the letter F. Satan attacking on him, the fallen angel. You had the church leaders, those in the temple, the synagogue, those who said they loved and worshipped the Lord God, God Almighty, Jehovah God, yet were hating on Jesus. They had the Romans kill him. Evil plot. You had that going on, the church leaders. You had his own family. Remember, his brothers didn't take him seriously, taunted him, made fun of him. Then he had his own friends falling asleep. The one time, I didn't, because we were running out of time this morning, I was like, man, the one time that Jesus desperately needs prayer, when he's praying so intense, it says blood was coming through his forehead. He's praying so intense, Father, if there's any other way possible, take this cup, cup of wrath. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, what that looks like. Father, if there's any way, in other words, Jesus is saying, if there's any way I don't have to die on the cross for the sins of humankind, if there's option B, let me in now. And as he's praying that, he's asked his 11 disciples, you think in rich, there's 12. Um, not that time. Why? Because the 12th one was literally coming up the hill with the foes, the enemies of Jesus, the church leaders, to betray him and have him taken the trial and kill him, and I'm going to read that in a few minutes. So here's the one time Jesus needs his friends, and they're falling asleep. Instead of praying for Jesus, he said, just, at least just pray for me. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to talk to Father. But while I'm talking to Father, can you at least just pray for me? Watch him pray, he says. And they're like, they're just, they're just trash. They're just... The one time. You guys feeling this? That's rejection. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And then ultimately strapped to the cross. Remember, all the times Jesus referred to Father God, he'd always say Father except once. Did you guys catch that today? Only time Jesus ever says, my God, my God, is the moment on the cross when Jesus became sin for us and the Father looked away. His own Father rejected him. So when you think you've got it tough and rough, you do. I'm not trying to create drama, but I don't know all the hurt in this room. No one knows all the hurt in this room. You know your hurt, I know my hurt, and sometimes we know some of each other's hurt, but no one really knows except for God all the hurt in this room. Do you guys feeling that? But when I think what I have to go through, previous, current, things I don't yet know, I have to keep in mind that Jesus went through it even worse. Which is a scripture we're going to see in a few minutes out of Hebrews 12. There's a difference between mourning and ashes. And I was thinking about this this week in my prep for this. 
uh, time to share with you. By the way, thank you for the privilege and honor of being the messenger where God is the ultimate. I'm just the messenger, and wow, it's been cool to get to know you guys. But as think about mourning, like this morning, talking about mourning versus ashes. See if this makes sense to you guys. You see that on the screen? I put here, typing this out, mourning is the expression of deep sorrow for someone who died. And I actually got this from the dictionary. Thank you, the internet, right? <laughs> right click, copy, and what? Paste. You guys know it, right? Hope you don't write papers like that because teachers like me know that. Okay? It's called SafeAssign. You ever heard of that software? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ring you up, baby. <laughs> Here's the thing. So I went ahead and I went online and I saw this definition. Look at this definition of mourning. The expression of deep sorrow for someone who's died, typically involved following certain conventions such as wearing a black clothes. It's kind of doing the more formal, particularly more in the South. You see pictures, black and white photos of Richmond when it had burned to the ground during the Civil War. And there's these pictures of these women walking in black clothes. In other words, black clothing of being in a state or condition of mourning. You guys have heard of that? You wear black to a funeral. That's where that comes from. So mourning isn't just, you had a bad day. It's like, I'm just in agony. Whereas ashes, when I think of ashes, I think of death or decay, end of existence. See that again? And I was thinking through this again this week, prepping, and then I was thinking, you know, when I see ashes, those ashes came from something. It may have been a building burned to the ground. It may have been, I've been still doing my fall stuff here in January, cleaning up leaves. I have an acre and a half, and I'm trying to get all the leaves, and I finally get my leaves and the neighbor's leaves, which weren't done. If you're a homeowner, you know that pain. Unless you're that homeowner that says, I don't need to get them. The wind will take them to my neighbor's yard. Don't be that neighbor, okay? Because I'm cleaning out mine, my neighbor's, the golf course where we live near that, and this keeps coming over our way. And it's like, dang, I keep cleaning all these leaves. And then you have a storm, and brush falls off, you know, off the, t- the trees. All of a sudden, you have these limbs and branches, and I keep burning all this stuff. In other words, you guys see where I'm going with this? There was an object. There was a source of these ashes. And not to be ugly about it, not to be disgusting or gross about it, but humankind, when we pass away, either we're buried as, a, as how we look now, kind of like in a sense of physical body, our corpse, or people have a cremation process. But even if I pass away and I'm not cremated, my body eventually, like the saying says, ashes to ashes and what? Dust to dust. So end of the day, I mean, <laughs> that's a happy thought. We're all going to be a pile of ashes. Oh, really? Stop it. That's gross. I'm just saying, when I think ashes, I think that's end of. So how can we get beauty out of ashes? Another question I'm thinking is, Jesus, did he go through a, a time of ashes? And more I kept thinking about this, I was like, yeah, that was his death. I mean, the Messiah, the anointed one, he dies. That's ashes. This is my devotional Bible. I told you guys last night, I love reading the scriptures every, every year. And I have a lot of Christians honestly mock and make fun of the idea of reading your Bible through an year. You don't learn anything. 
Then I have people say, how come Rich, you know so much about the Bible? It's because I read it every year. <laughs> I don't mean once a year. I mean I read it through. And it's so cool. Even January 1st this year, jumped on my Facebook and put this up there. I said, you know, it hit me January 1st, 1977. Like six of us in this room were alive then. I'm one of them, okay? <laughs> Two of us. How many more? 1977, you were alive. Thank you, Donna. Okay, we got a few of us, more than six. That's good. 1977, January 1st, my daddy, the preacher, gave a challenge to our church about this size. He gave a challenge to the church to say, how many of you would be willing to read the scripture through this year? I don't know who did out there, but I know there was an eighth grade boy and a seventh grade boy who did. That's me and my brother. And I love it. And it hit me this January 1st. Dang, I've been doing this since 1977. I'm not bragging. I just want you to know I love this book. It's called the chronological. I'm not pitching, I'm not selling, I'm just telling you. I've had so many copies, I keep giving them away, and I keep buying new ones because they get trashed over time. And this is the hardcover. That way you don't get dog ears on the cover and all that, you know. What I love, one of the things I love about it is it takes all the different stories, like in the Gospels, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, may give the same story from different perspectives, but it weaves it together as one. I'm going to read for you Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four gospel writers give their account of the trial of Jesus, the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, but it's all one storyline. Is that cool? We're going to pick this up right after the crown of thorns, the trial, away with him, Pilate washes his hands, thinking, okay, I don't have to be guilty for this. And our Christ is now nailed to the cross. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on the right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. That was a sedative. Jesus did not take a painkiller because he wanted to be in full cognition of what was going on. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews... Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from the top to the bottom. 
Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot, dice, who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders, these were the religious leaders of God, mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from there, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. Soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine and vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved, that's John referring to himself, he said to John, woman, or said to the woman, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, John, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. In our way of talking, he was taking care of his mother. The closest of all the disciples was the youngest. John was about 18 to 20 years of age. And Jesus looked at John. He looked at mom. Would you take care of my mom? Mom, you'll be taken care of. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. Verse 
Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on his staff, and he offered it up to Jesus to drink. And the rest said, now, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. When he had received that drink, Jesus said, three words that change history. What are they? He didn't say, I'm dying. He didn't say, I'm bouncing. He didn't say, I'm done. He wasn't quitting. (laughs) When he realized that the father had received the gift of his death, when the father had received, when the father's wrath of anger against our sin was satisfied, that's when Jesus said, okay, I can have a drink of water now of this wine vinegar. And now I can give up my spirit because Father has accepted the sacrifice. Y'all are in doctrine tonight. Is that okay? When he said it is finished, immediately one of them ran and got the sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, puts it on the staff, gives it to him. I'm sorry, I messed up here. Uh, Moving on, moving on, moving on. Here it is. It is finished. Jesus then called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split. Tombs broke open. The Crazy, you ready? The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph, and of Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who also had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what had taken place, they beat their breasts, and then they went home. But all those who knew him, including these women who had followed him from Galilee, stood off at a distance watching these things. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. Once your legs are broken, if you are strapped to a cross, you have no way to push up. You guys know this? Once your legs are broken, you have no way to breathe. So basically, your lungs collapse. When they get to Jesus, they see he had already passed. They did not break his bones, thus fulfilling scripture that none of his bones would be broke.
soldier came, pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it had given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scriptures would be fulfilled, that one of his bones would be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one that they had pierced. And that was out of the book of Psalms a thousand years before. 700 years before crucifixion was even invented. So he's dead. He's in ashes. Not physically. Metaphorically, symbolically. Jesus is in ashes. He's dead. But why did he die? Did he die because... He was a martyr for a cause. Did he die? I hear this today. He died for love. He died. It was like a mistake. He was a political martyr. Why did he die? Jesus Christ died for two reasons. I think of a coin with heads and tails. There's two reasons that he died. Many times in church, we only talk about the one side. We don't talk about the other. Or sometimes in church, we talk about the one side, but not the other. We must talk about both sides of the coin. There's two reasons Christ died. First reason. This is going to be heavy. You with me? Thank you. Our culture today wants things soft, emotionally driven, and you deal with facts. People are like, that's harsh, and I'm triggered, and I have to go find a pony or a dog to pet. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. I work with college students. Just saying. God help us if we go to war right now in our country, because I'm like, what is going on? 30 years of age and older, are you with me in this? What is going on? We're going to deal with some harsh reality. This is a harsh reality. God had to have his son murdered to satisfy his wrath, his wrath against sin. You may just think, Rich, that's harsh. Anger, wrath, God loves. God's not angry. God's not harsh. You have to understand God is very complex. And we're made in his image. That's why we have a lot of emotion. If you think of a large cup and it's filled, think of that cup of God's anger toward my rebellion. See, God is a just God. Justice is a good thing. Make justice your friend. Someone steals your stuff, no one does a thing about it, you're ticked. Agree? And if no one does anything about it, you go to your teacher, hey, so-and-so stole this out of my desk. Remember that in fourth grade? Or it's, hey, somebody took this out of my locker. You go to the principal's office. Hey, someone took this from my locker. Well, tough. No, I want what? Justice. And rightfully so. God made us his image. 
to know him, love him, worship him, serve him, obey him. But I rebel against him like about every day. Do you? Bible calls that what? Sin. God's anger against my sin had to be poured out. His cup of anger. That's why Jesus, when he's doing this, crying out to the Father before he's arrested, he says, Father, if there's any other way, take this what? Cup from me. That's what he's talking about. Lord, is there any other way I can pay for the sins of humankind and not have to have your cup of wrath be poured on me? Please let me know now if there's a plan B. But there was no plan B. Guys, that's huge. Salvation. There's no plan B. It's not, well, dude, if you're just a good bro, if you're just kind to old people, I mean, there's not a plan B. We must come through the only plan That's why Jesus died. Because God's love is also equal to God's anger toward our sin. God loves sinful people, but God hates our sin. Just like you hate it when you see someone thumping on somebody else. I mean, when I see, when I hear these stories on the internet, people that have Down syndrome, and there's people like thugging on them and beating on them. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Do you guys understand this? I'm like, I want justice. How do we exponentially like put that on steroids, like how God would feel? He made those people. You guys feeling this? God loves us, but he has to judge our sin because he's just. And if God ceases to be just, he's no longer God, which is an impossibility. So Jesus dies to satisfy God's anger toward our sin. Get this. Yet it would please the Father, the Lord, to crush or to bruise him and to cause him to suffer. This is a prophecy 600 years before Jesus. This is Isaiah 53. I'm going to pick it up right there in verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised or crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that, was, that brought on us, peace, was put upon him. And it's by his stripes that we are what? Healed. Because Jesus dies on the cross, all of God's anger toward my rebellion, Jesus, to say it in our terms, Jesus takes my bullet. I met Steve today. He's a law enforcement officer. I have two of my dearest friends in my church who are law enforcement officers. While the culture mocks them and laughs at them and hates on them, they will take a bullet for you. And not to be overdramatic, but you have to think about that, Kim. I'm sure you do. Because my two friends, their wives, have both told me, one of them, their kids in our youth ministry. Yeah, imagine I'm a seventh grader saying, sometimes, Mr. Rich, I get scared 
and I have to keep trusting in God that my dad gets home safe? Thank you for what you do. Someone to take a bullet for somebody else? So as opposed to me getting the wrath of God for my sin, Jesus steps in front just like you saw tonight. Do you guys feel that? And took it? That's a hero. Which is an amazing, cool skillet song, okay? But that's our hero is Jesus. He steps in. He takes God's wrath. He takes it. Two reasons Jesus dies. One, satisfy the wrath of God so we can go free. Mercy. Not receiving what I do deserve. You've heard of mercy and grace? Mercy is I don't get what I deserve. Second reason Jesus dies. To make possible for us to be adopted by God. So it's not just like, it's not just like okay, you don't have to go to hell. It's even better with that. It's not just... You have mercy. You don't get punished. It's now you get invited to the table. You get to be my kid. You get to be my son, my daughter. Come on, y'all. It's more than just you don't get punished. Now you do get grace. Now I've adopted you. John 1 verse 12. But as many as received Jesus, to him he gave the right, the authority to become the children of God. We are adopted. Matter of fact, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says that Jesus and us, we are brothers. Ladies, he is your brother. You are his sister. Jesus is not your father. That's bad theology. Father is father. Jesus is the original son, if you will. We are the adopted sons and daughters of God. Come on. This is called grace. I now, look at this. I receive what I don't deserve. We got to understand both reasons Jesus died. To pay the punishment for our sin. Also restore us in a right relationship with God. So what's the beauty out of the ashes? As Jesus rises again, declaring himself to be Lord of life. He provides the only way to bring us back to God. Like our drama, creation fall, redemption. You ready? Say it with me. First one is what? Creation, then what? The fall, and then redemption. Redemption means to be restored back to God. The beauty out of the ashes is it pleases the Father that he, by the way, when I say please the Father, it's not like God went, oh goody, I get to kill Jesus today. Don't think of the word please like an American, oh that pleases me. What it means is the word, it's a legal term to be satisfied, like a contract. It's satisfactory, like a report card you fill out. It means satisfied. When it says it pleased the father, it didn't mean like, oh, goody, I get to kill my son today. Do not think that way. It means it's a legal transaction. Does that make sense now? I, you're, it's satisfied. Brings us back to God. <coughs> Look at these verses. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which so, cling, so clings to us so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and now he's seated at the right hand of God. 
meaning I am the victor. I won. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so you may not grow weary in well-doing. There was joy as Jesus was going through the cross. Joy does not mean happy. He was saying, this too is going to pass, but out of it is going to come beauty out of the ashes. The beauty, God's wrath is satisfied, and I get to have new family members. Are you, are you feeling this now? Jesus went through the ashes so we could have the beauty of being with God and him is our forever king. Some of us in here probably don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. We know about him. We've been hearing stuff. But I encourage you, if you've not established a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going this way, doing your own thing, Repent. It's actually a military term for about what? Face. I'm going this way. And I want to go this way. Repentance is not you trying to clean your life up. Repentance is this. Everything in my pockets, I give over. No, because I give over myself. I surrender. I surrender. Put your hands up. I surrender. That's why you lift your hands in worship, y'all. You surrender. Repentance is like, I can't save myself. I just surrender. But are you willing to let Jesus rule your heart and life? I'm going this way. Repentance, you know what? I want to follow Jesus. He died for me. I must receive his gift of salvation, calling on his name to save me. I believe in my heart, in my head, that he rose from the dead. He's victorious over it death, beauty out of ashes. He is the only payment plan that God ever provided. His death satisfied God's punishment for my sin. Now I want that sin to be forgiven. Jesus, forgive my sin. I turn myself over to you. Let's go. Have you received Christ? Is he truly your king? Have you repented? Maybe you have. Awesome. If you haven't, I'm not guilt tripping you, but I'm offering you may need to talk to somebody. What is this whole salvation thing all about? Second of all, rejoice. If you're in Christ, you're saved. You've got a new identity. You're his. You're called light. You're salt. You have a new identity. It's in Jesus. And that is unshakable. Third thing, reflect. Reflect, look. Reflect that Jesus, all the things he's done for you. Live a life of obedience to the Father, just like Jesus. Realize that we can rest no matter what happens. God is in control. Then our last slide goes like this. Do I want to find his beauty out of my ashes? Have you come to Jesus? Have you asked his forgiveness? Have you given your heart and life over to Christ? If not, talk with somebody about that. If you have, rejoice in your new identity in Christ and then follow him passionately with all of your heart. Broken things. God loves to take broken things 
and make beautiful things. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.